This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. On the sixth day of creation, at the end of the sixth day, if you look in Pasha Bereshit, before it starts, Vayichul HaShemayim Haaretz, so it says that Vayal Akim Hashem sought, Hinei Toiv Ma'oid, that His creations, the world was very good. Uses the word Ma'od. Not just Tov, every day except the second day, says Hashem looked at the second day, at the first day, it was good. Fifth day was good. Sixth day was good. But then he says, Hashem looked at the whole Bria. He made Tov Ma'od. Was very good. What is this very good? So the Medrash brings down about six or seven reasons that the word Ma'od is used. So the first reason I think a lot of people in this room are going to like very much. And the first reason is like this. Amar Rav Shimon ben Elazar. Rav Shimon ben Elazar said, He It says in the Torah that Hashem looked at his world and it was very good. So he says, what is, what is Taiv Ma'od? So the Medrash says, Shaina, sleeping. Sleeping, says the Medrash, is very good. Like that, huh? Everyone tells you you sleep too much, right? And the Medrash says, that Shana sleeping is Tov Ma'od. Atmaha. So the Medrash says, I, I'm bewildered. In this world, you know, my Rebbe used to say Shlafen. Shlafen means sleeping. Shlafen, Wallerstein, Shlafen. Shlafen of Yenevelt. Don't sleep on, don't sleep on this world. In the next world you'll sleep. Now, you know, now it's time to do things. So how can the Medrash say that, that Shana is Satmaha? The Medrash says, I don't understand what you're talking about. Didn't we learn Lokain Tanenan? Didn't we learn Yayin Bishena, drinking wine and sleeping a lot, Lirishayim Noya, that it's good for, for bad people, right? But, but for, for good people, sleeping and, and drinking wine is, um, is not good. So he answers the following. The Medrash answers, since a person Sleep, since a person goes to sleep, Kimahu, he wakes up, Oimeh, he stands up, and he has the strength in order to learn and to do mitzvahs. So sleeping can be good if you're sleeping in order to be able to get up the next day refreshed and you're able to do things, then sleeping is good. But if you're just going to sleep to pass away the time, then, then, you know, sleeping is not good. Sleeping is in order to, to be awake. No, to be awake. That's why you're supposed to sleep. Not to escape, but to, to give you the strength. What are we escaping from? We don't, what? We don't want to escape from life. We want to live life. After 120, you escape from life. You know, they put you in the ground, that's it. But you know what? Even then you don't escape from life. But, but you still don't. You never escape from life. But what the, what the Medrash is telling us over here is that a person, we don't, we don't, we don't, there are people who eat to live, and there are people who live to eat. And, and there's very, very big difference. And there are people who sleep to live, and there are people who live to sleep. And, and, and a person is supposed to eat to live, not live to eat. Very, very big difference. And, and, and we know that there are people who live to eat, they, you know, they run into all types of problems. Okay, so that's the first measure. The measure says, Ma'od means Shana, sleeping. Rav Nachman by Shmuel by Nachman, Bishem Shmuel by Nachman, Omar. He told Ma'od. What is tov? Zayetzer tov. The malach that tells you to, good, to do the good things, he is the good malach. He's good. He ne tov ma'od. What's very good? So good is your yetzer tov that tells you go to shul, dress sneers, be a good girl, close your Facebook, okay, whatever. <laughs> now that I mentioned Facebook. <laughs> so every week, I learn something new. So I wanna, I wanna, yeah, well, Twitter will, will say for a different, uh, I said Tweety last time, but it's Twitter. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for a different discussion. What is it, 14 words you can write, or 16 words, or something like that, whatever. But uh, we had a very major situation with a bunch of boys this week. Um, they did some very crazy things, young boys. And I, I just couldn't, I'm not gonna get into who and, and what they did, because you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And it was so absurd, it was so absurd what they did, it was so not human, it was so not normal, it was so disgusting what these boys did, 
that I just I just couldn't fathom it. You know, boys are mischievous. We do things. You know, we pull fire alarms. We put thumbtacks on the teacher's de- you know chair. You know, we do we do all kinds of stuff. We throw wet towels so it dries up and falls on our head. You know, we do we we do all this kind of stuff. But what these guys did was so disgusting, was so not normal. So so. Baruch Hashem, one of them was stupid enough to video the other ones. Um, so whatever they denied, we had on video because we took away right away the camera. So we had everything on video. So we turn on the video, and they're, they're they're starting to do this very unnormal behavior. And one of them screams into the camera, "It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on YouTube." So after the whole discussion and sitting down with it, I'm like, this is not normal. I'm not talking to normal people here. Why, why would you do something like this? And why would you put it on film? So one of the boys said to me, what are you talking about? This is what, this is what we put on Facebook. This is what we put on YouTube. This is, this is wild, radical, crazy stuff. He said, Rebbe, you go to YouTube. You know, so then it came out that not only that, but, and I'm sure nobody in this room would ever do such a thing, but that the kids in school are uh, taking their phones that they're not supposed to have and they're videoing or taking pictures of their teachers, right, without their teachers knowing and then posting it, right, some crazy pictures, posting it on their Facebook account where their friends can see. So, so, I was sitting there, I'm like, Rebel, like, like, every time I say I'm going to shut up, I'm not going to talk about Facebook anymore because everyone's going to throw up if I talk about it anymore. Hashem sends me another thing. So, so not only does Facebook waste time, not only do girls put on pictures of other girls that they want off because they're going on a chiduchim and they don't want the pictures from three years on there and the girl says, no, I'm not taking it off. Not only does it invade other people's privacy when you post on your, whatever your, whatever they call it, your site, um, other people's pictures who didn't even give you a shift to put it on, which is an absolute open avera. It's an open breach of, of, of privacy, right? Not only that, but people do crazy things. People do Averis and do crazy things so that they could take a picture of it and post it on Facebook. So anyone in their right mind who doesn't see Satan, Yitzhahara, what, what's going on over here, what this is all about, is it, totally not normal. How can any normal person have a Facebook account? They can tell me, yeah, I don't do this, I don't do that. If you're in Saddam, you're in Saddam. You're in Saddam. So you can be in Saddam. You're on a, you're on a place... That is full of Toma and, and, and the whole thing that these guys did, which is the biggest chil Hashem that, that's imaginable, was only to get a picture of it in order to post it on Facebook and on YouTube. And they were dreaming that maybe they would get onto, um, what's it called? MTV's videos. MTV's crazy, craziest videos. And, and this is what our children watch on television because on television we watch all these crazy shows where they eat worms. And they defecate, and they do all kinds of disgusting things, and that's how you win the show. That's the competition. Competition is who can be more disgusting. And if you eat like a million worms in five minutes, right? So this is what our children are watching. This is right. It's Mamish Balpar. It's Mamish Balpar. Heavy, very heavy punishment. As, as heavy as I could, as heavy as I could, and it's not punishment. It's consequence. I don't believe in punishment. It's consequence. You did something like this. So you're not a yeshiva boy. You're not representing a yeshiva. Of course we talk to the parents. Of course we talk. The parents don't have any idea. Oh, Facebook. Oh, oh my, my son has a Facebook account. Everybody has a Facebook account. You're not allowed to have a Facebook account because then you need to take pictures to put on. You can't have a Facebook account with, with a picture of a Sefer Torah on it. Right? That's not going to go anywhere. So you got to have, if you, if you have a Facebook account, you have to have crazy stuff on it. Mamish destroying our girls' schools, our boys' schools, our girls, our children. If you have children, you're not allowed to let them have. And there's one boy that came over to me last night. I didn't even discuss at all Facebook. He said, Rebbe, I want you to know that how do you know that it's a satan? Because if you know how hard it is to get off Facebook, so when you want to get off, they ask you all kinds of questions. Why, where, what? And then they tell you, you can get back on at any time. He says, they mamish don't let go of you. They don't let go of you. So if they don't let go of you, right, if, it, if it's harmless, they let go of you. Get, get out of here. You don't want to be on. They want you to stay. So it's so hard to get off. And once you get off, you can get right back on again. So every single week when I say I'm not going to talk about it, Hashem slaps me in the face over and over to show me that it's much worse than you think it is. 
So I, I don't know. Listen, you, you mature people. Mashiach's coming soon. I, I don't think you want to be on Facebook. I, I don't think it's the right place. I don't think we should be on the internet at all. I think you should just be on there for school, whatever it is. I, I don't think it should be a means of communication. I don't think texting should be. It's it's mamish, the greatest. All I heard the last, you know, now it's the last two weeks of school, so I'm getting all the phone calls from all the parents who their daughters just found out that they're not welcome back in school. So it's not stopping. The phone doesn't stop because now they get the good news is like, we're going to let you graduate or we're going to let, but don't come back to our school. So this is all happening now. My phone, Mamish, doesn't stop ringing. Doesn't stop ringing. One, schools are throwing out kids left and right, left and right, left and right. Why? Because these girls are on, are on their cell phones and they're texting boys and boys are texting them and they're catching them and there's disgusting texts and they're forwarding it to other girls and they're destroying the whole school. And, and parents are like, yeah, my daughter has a phone. Yeah, it does it have text on it. Yeah, it has text on it. It's the absolute destruction of, of, of cholesterol. It's, it's an amazing weapon. I never, I've never in my life seen anything like this. It's destruction of girls, good girls, eighth graders, seventh graders, sixth graders. This week, a sixth grader texting boys. What is she texting them? What could she be texting them already? You know, you want to watch a Disney movie together or something like what, what, what is a sixth grade girl texting a boy in a yeshiva? And he's, what's going on over here? And we're nuts as parents. Why are you giving your child a phone that has texting on it? You're worried about your child that you want to know where she is? So, so, so call her. But why, did, why does it have to be texting on the phone? It's, it's, a, it's a disease. It's a cancer. It's a can, it's mamish. It's worse than cancer. Because cancer, the percentage of how many people have it, percentage of how many kids have, have texting on their phone, they're not allowed to have. I asked a head of a, camp, of a camp this week. I said, are you allowing phones in your camp? Right? He says, am I allowing phones in my camp? Am I allowing kids to breathe in my camp? Like, what are you asking me a question? Of course there's going to be phones in my camp. I'm like, what would happen if you said, come to the country, come to camp, no phones, no staff phones, because the staff gives the kids the phone, you understand? No staff phones, no phone. You want to reach someone in camp? Like when I was in camp Thursday night, everybody lined up, right? And you waited for the public phone, and you called your mother. You don't want to call your mother anyway. Right? You called your mother for two minutes on Friday, on Thursday night, you had your bunk. What, what, what? So, so, so the guy told me that in camp today, he says, Rabbi Wallstein, it's not like the old Karina days when you were in camp. Kids don't want to play ball. Kids don't want to go swimming. Color war means absolutely nothing. Everybody's busy, either on their phone or their iPod or their crazy Meshuggah games where they're killing dragons, right? And they have absolutely no connection, right? Half of them are obese. Because they don't, they, they, none of them know how to exercise. Our, our, our kids are much heavier than when I was growing up. They eat, they, you stuff them with chocolate, you stuff them with garbage, you stuff them with cheese doodles and cheese curls and all this other garbage. And then when it comes to playing ball, why should they play ball? They have the Wii. They can stand and play ball with the Wii downstairs. Ooh, ooh, wow. Shh, I'm playing tennis. What are you doing? I'm playing tennis. Ooh, you look like you're sweating. You must be losing a lot of weight. Yeah, the guy on the screen, he's running, he's jumping, he's dead. But the kid's going, oh. Well, when they advertise the Wii, they say you can lose weight doing this. How are you going to lose weight doing this? So, so, so as parents, as parents, as parents, as parents, we're killing our, we're mom is killing our children. They don't want to go, nobody wants to go to camp. Nobody wants to go to camp. In my high school, I went over to a bunch of girls, I'm like, I'll, I'll send you to Sturman, I'll send you to camp. Why would I want to go to camp? Camp is for losers. What are you going to do in camp? Run around? Breathe clean air, do things that are healthy, arts and crafts. Arts and crafts went out with the dinosaur. You get on your computer, you buy a graphic disc, you throw it in, right? You need arts and crafts, get your hands dirty. Someone knows how to get their hands dirty with paint and glue. Ugh! I put my graphics thing in, I hit my, what? My Apple computer, did did out comes a picture, Picasso. A painter. Right? So I should go to camp for arts and crafts? That's stupid. Sports? That's for losers. So, so that's it. It's over. We, we, we don't have children anymore. They don't have, they don't, they, I, I asked a bunch of girls, they said, when's the last time that you, I'll ask all of you, when's the last time that any of you walked down any block in Flatbush, East 19th, 17th, 15th, anywhere, and saw chalk on the sidewalk, hopscotch? Where were you? Where? You're dreaming. You're dreaming. You're dreaming. Somebody ran over some chalk. 
All right, all right, all right. That's not, it's not the discussion tonight. You're not, you're not, you're not going to see, you're not going to see a lot of it. Or if you see it, it's a four-year-old kid. It's a four-year-old kid. Nobody's outside. There's no kids outside anymore. My block, there are kids outside. You know why? Because there, there are five houses on my block that don't have television or internet. So their girls are outside playing Machanayim every night. But everybody else, they're inside on their computers, on their internet, on their phones, including all of you. Not just the kids, it's all of us also. We have no life. I watch the walkers in the morning. You know, the women who walk in the morning. So when I go to Yeshiva in the morning, you get all these walkers out, right? So six years ago, seven years ago, used to watch, they always, you know, nobody walks by themselves. They always they walk with somebody else, right? So they used to gab. You'd watch them walk. They would, they, would, they would talk as fast as they're walking, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. Each one's walking and they're on their cell phone. Go outside in the morning and watch. They're walking on their cell phone. Now, you think your body is exercising and relaxing and you're, you're, you're doing good things for your heart when you're walking. And at the same time, Right? That you're walking, you're screaming in the phone. Well, why aren't you out of bed already? And why aren't you in school already? Oh, that's very healthy. You're doing, you're doing really good, right? You're walking for half an hour? Put the phone away. Put the phone away. Live life. We are, we're going down the drain. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling what's going on with kids in school. It is mind-boggling what's going on with girls and boys. Base Yaakov, other schools, it doesn't make a difference anymore. You give your child a phone with text, you might as well put a boy in her knapsack. I'm not kidding. Why waste all the time with all the, you have to pay for it. Put him in the knapsack already. Let her take the boy to school. Because that's what you're doing. If you give a child, a girl, or a boy, vice versa, a, t- a cell phone with texting, that is what you're doing. And anyone who sits in here and tells me, you don't understand, and you don't know, I only have girlfriends, I don't text anyone else, it's just a matter of time to one of your girlfriends that you're texting has a boyfriend and she feels guilty so she wants to make sure you have a boyfriend and therefore she's going to introduce you to his, to his friend. And how many girls that I've dealt with were texting boys but I'm never going to meet him. I'm texting him, Rebbe, but I, I, don't, I don't know what he looks like and I'm never going to meet him. And then three months later, that same girl is, I'm in big, big, big trouble. Because... How can I speak? How can you text for three months and not meet the guy? So I met him on a Friday night, and I told my parents I was going to my friend, and then they met the next day. They met my friend's mother, and I wasn't there. Shalom aleichem, Rabbi Wallstein, save me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why'd you meet him? You told me you're never going to meet him. Come on, you think I'm going to text someone for three months and not meet him? I'm begging, I'm begging. It's not my share. I'm begging. It's not tov mode. I'm begging everyone in this room. If you have children, or if you if you no people have to, please, give them a phone. No texting. It's bad enough that the boys buy for the girls the phone with the texting, even though the parents took the phone away. They know how to get the $20 card and the phone, and you never know about it. Okay, but that's already two steps. Yeah, I do know about it. But that's already two steps that the, that the kids have to go extra. He has to buy her a phone and buy her the card, and she has to make sure her parents don't find it. But if you give them the phone, and they're brilliant, if you think at night, you're going to go look at that phone and see what they text. No chance. As fast as, if you ever watch, right, as fast as they text, the second the text is over, they delete it. It's like in one motion. It's amazing. It's like they can write a whole, a whole composition to, to, a, to a guy, and then the last thing is delete, and then he sends back, and then, the la- and then writes another one, and that last thing is delete. You will never find out what they wrote. No way. They know that you can find out when they call somebody, you can trace it with Verizon. They know all, all this stuff. They're so ahead of us when it comes to this. We are so in the dinosaur age. They know everything. They know how you can follow them and Verizon gives all the information. But they know that texting, you cannot trace what was written. So I'm begging everyone and whoever is watching this, please do not give your children a phone with texting. Give them a phone that they can call you. There is no logical reason anyone can come up here and tell me why you need texting in the phone. So I'm begging you, please. And that is what the Medrash says. Yetzahara is gematria texting. Do you know that? <laughs> you don't believe me, right? You don't believe me. The way I spell texting is Yud Tzadik Reish. Hey, Reish Ayin. So it's the same gematria. 
But seriously, I, I'm, I'm begging everybody. And if you are a girl that has it on your phone, excuse me, if you have it on your phone, you should have it removed. Whoever you need to talk to, talk to them. Talk to them. Don't send them a Western Union. That was in the days of, you know, the ponies. Pony Express. They used to send, you know, Western Union. We don't do that anymore. If you have it on your phone, do yourself a favor. I know I'm talking to the choir because I'm wasting my time. Because all the older women here who don't know what text what I'm talking about, they're not they're gonna get it removed from their phone. And all the girls that know exactly what I'm talking about are like he's out of his mind. I do not know how to communicate with another human being without my fingers. Even though God gave me a mouth, fingers were not made to communicate, but we only know how to communicate through our fingers. So you know what I say to those people? Nebuch. I feel very bad for all of you if you can only communicate through texting. It's very, very sad. Very, very sad. Hashem should give you all a big refuah shalema if that's all you can do. The psychological part of it, the need, what's the need? The need is that I can communicate with you without dealing with you. I don't need to deal with you. I can send you a message like an I-M-E-M-Z-M, whatever it's called. I can send you a message, and then you can send me a message back. I don't got to look at you. I don't got to talk to you. I don't have anything to do with you. I can make believe that I'm 17 years old, and I have olive skin and blue eyes and who knows what, and you will never know the difference. It's a world of fantasy because no one in this generation is happy with who they are. So therefore, saw you at Sinai and all these great places that make Shiduchim, right, are fantastic. Everyone runs to them because I could say anything I want, right? How tall I am and what I look like. And then when you meet me, maybe you'll fall in love with me. You know, who knows? But it's a fantasy world. And the Yitzhahara understands that the opposite of serving Hashem in the real world is to create a fantasy world. So you create a fantasy world. So I don't have to deal with you. I can send you a text. There's no feeling, right? I can write, I love you. I can write, I love you on my phone right now and push a button. And it's going to say, I love you to everyone that's on my phone. <laughs> Anyone, the buyer in Barnes and Noble, some guy I don't, you know, whatever. I called once the janitor. I was looking for a guy to wear, right? And it's gonna say, "I love you" to everybody. Can you imagine that? For a, a, someone who doesn't even know how to express their emotions, they can't even say "I love you" to their cat, right? They can't get, I, 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 right? They can't even get it out, right? In one second by texting, I can write "I love you" to eighty people. I can say "Good Shabbos." Oh, I love those, right? Those stopped after my last speech. Don't send me that good Shabbos that you sent to everyone else. I am not one of your texting things, right? So, so my boys who used to send out good Shabbos to whoever's on the phone, right? Goy, not goy, pet dog, cat, fish, didn't make a difference. Good Shabbos to everyone, I got that good Shabbos. I didn't say good Shabbos, Rebbe, how you doing? No, good Shabbos. And I knew the minute it said good Shabbos, that I went to, I called him up, this boy, and I said, if you ever send that to me again, I will not talk to you again. I'm not one of your digits on your phone. I am a human being. I am your Rebbe. I am a person. Don't write, I love you to your mother. I love you, L-O-V-E. I love, call her up and say, I love you. It's, it's not human. You're going to come into this world and you're going to leave this world and you weren't, you have nothing to do with people. It's a breakdown of a society. It's a breakdown of Yiddishkeit. It's a breakdown of our school. It's a breakdown of our girls. It's a breakdown of everything. I, I mean, I spoke about this, I don't want to go over and over. I spoke about this weeks ago. It's a breakdown in communications. And that's, you want to know why? The answer is that I don't have to deal with anybody. I can send you anything that are digits. There's no responsibility to it. What's the big deal? I don't know you even. I can send it out to people I don't know. I don't have to know you. I can beam it. I can send it. I don't know what they do. You could, I could, if I had the right phone, I'd be able to go, mm, get all your phone numbers. Everybody in the room, I could get all your phone numbers and I could send you messages and I don't even know you. Right? That's what, that's the basis of it. The basis of it is that we are, we don't want to get involved. We don't want to get involved with nobody, with nothing. We want to just live our life and leave me alone. And, uh, and that's why we're having very big problems in marriages because we don't know how to communicate with our husbands because we don't communicate. We don't communicate. You live your whole life. You talk to your husband by texting. God forbid the guy doesn't have a text. You'll be talking to no one for the rest of your life. <laughs> Terrible. Imagine his phone doesn't have it. You, you need to do something about it. Girls, you, you're the communicators. You're the emotional. Hashem created you. You're the ones who bring emotion to the world. So you're the, and you're the ones who are the biggest texters in the world. Guys, we're not good at this. It takes us 45 minutes to write five words. And then we have to go back and clear and clear because we, we spell it wrong. Well, you guys with two hands, you have to slip a, those in the Verizon store, they got to slip one that opens up this way, the one that opens up that way, this way, that way. And, 
You are, you are the ones who bring emotion to the world. You are the ones who have no emotion. You are the text queens of the world. You have no emotion. There is no emotion. I don't care what anyone says here. You can write, I really love you. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. I really care. I'm really, I'm sorry. I could text anyone in here, I'm sorry. But you have to go to a human being and say you're sorry, they're looking at you. And they're like, her body language says she's sorry. Or she's not really sorry. When you text someone, I'm sorry, they don't know if you're sorry or not sorry. So, so the, the whole body language is gone. Communications are gone. And it's, it's just, mamish destroying fifth graders, sixth graders. Sixth graders are talking to boys. What? What's going on over here? And it's all texting. It's all texting. There's no talking to boys that they went onto a phone and they called a boy. It's all, it has to stop. It has to stop. And there's a lot of peer pressure. And, and as parents, yeah, you have to be, you have to, it's, there's a big consequence for not being strict about this. Even if all her friends do it. If there's no, I have yet to meet a kid who gave me a logical reason why you have to have texting on the phone. If it's to be in contact with your parents, call them. They text in the middle of class. They text answers on test, go, uh, kids go into the bathroom. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, I'm going to keep talking about it. But I know that, you know, again, I'm talking to the people who are not going to do it. They're not going to do it anyway. And the people that are going to do it, you, there are people in this room that don't believe. They do not believe, and this is how sad it is. There are girls sitting here right now, a lot of them, that do not believe that it is possible to continue their life with, take, with taking texting out of their phone. They're like, Red Walston may be right, he may be wrong, but I cannot do this. I would say there are 40 people sitting in this room right now that cannot take texting out of their phone. That is so sad. That means you are so sick. I hate that you are so sick that you cannot take that out of your phone. There is something wrong with you. And you need to think about why you cannot take it out of your phone. And when you find out why you can't take it out of the phone, you will realize there was something really wrong with you. I hate to put it so bluntly, like, I'm not coming back to his share. I don't care. Don't come back to my share. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not about you coming back to my share. If you cannot take it out of your phone, and I'm talking to everyone in the camera, if you cannot take it out of your phone, you are sick. <laughs> S-I-C-K. Sick. There is something wrong with you. Unless... Unless, unless you can send me emails why texting is a must in your life. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're not sick. Maybe I'm sick. I don't know. But you let me know, everyone in the camera, everyone that's listening on Kalalashan, please send me emails and explain to me why you must have this in your life. And then maybe I'll realize. I'll come next week and I'll say, Khatasi, Obisi, Prashati. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm wrong. But if you really think about it, you're doing it because... Because everyone else is doing it. That is sick. If you do something because everyone else is doing it, then you are not human. You are part of a school of fish. A herd of animals. Human beings have individuality. We all have our own fingerprints. Hashem did that because we are not a herd of animals. We are, we have the ability to be ourselves. And if my friend cannot reach me, because I don't have texting on my phone and she will not call me because of that and she is not my friend try talking to people it's, it's really nice it's really human it's such a nice thing to talk to people good morning how are you there's something to it good morning how are you I smile you know I make you feel good good morning how are you on some black letters on a white screen what does that do for me and then you have that I love this, this thing you girls know how to do this the boys they try to do it it comes out monstrous right you make that funny thing that looks like a smiley. <laughs> so it's like, how are you, Rebbe? And then there's this, like, funny face. The line's going diagonally. And then another funny face. I'm looking at it like, what am I, a triangle? What, 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 what are you sending me over here, right? You don't have to smile anymore. You send some weird letters. I'd like one day to learn how to do that. But some weird, you know, or life is really bad, Rebbe. I'm really down. I think I'm going, I think I'm going under. And then they have a face with a, a big frown. <laughs> Hello? I'm supposed to understand, like, how bad life is because you sent me some lines with a frown? We're back in first grade. We'll make, you know, smileys. What's ma'oid? Good is the Yetzirah. Very good is that Hashem gave us the Yetzirah.
what are you talking about? It would have been a lot better if Hashem wouldn't have given us the Yetzirah. And Hashem would have just given us a Yetzirah. What is Mo'oy that a Yetzirah is very good? So the Medrash says, very interesting, the Medrash says, that if there was no Yetzirah, then people wouldn't go to work because there'd be no competition. Competition breeds success. And why, do you, why does a person compete? Because I want to be better than you and I want to have more money than you and I want to be stronger than you. So the whole competition in the world is based really on a shtick, a little bit of kinah. That comes from the Yetzirah. He says that a man wouldn't marry a woman if there was no Yetzirah. He says, and there would be no children. We know the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says that, that the Sanhedrin went and killed the Yetzirah for Avoy Dezirah. Killed, killed, no, killed the Yetzirah for Avoy Dezirah. And um, because of that, we don't have, nobody in this room has Yetzirah. For Zara, I'm going to put an idol over here on the table and tell you all to bow down. You're going to say, well, Steve, there's something really wrong with you. Right? Like, bow down to a clay idol? That's stupid. If I tell you, go outside and bow down to the sun, the sun worshiper. So, what are you talking about, right? But we see that in Mitzrayim, the, the Jews in Mitzrayim, they were on a much higher level than us, they served Avodah And we see through Navi, right? In the times of the Navi, they served Avodah What was wrong with these people? What, are they nuts? The Jews made a golden calf after they sold Moshe Rabbeinu and they got... Uh, what, what, what's wrong with these people, right? And the answer is, we can't understand. We don't have a Yitzhahara anymore for Abba Yitzhahara. So to us, it looks stupid. But really, before they killed the Yitzhahara, it was an unbelievable Yitzhahara. I never have to go to India in a week. But Baruch Hashem, I made my trips. So I'll be back here in two weeks. I'll be back Wednesday night. I'm not going to miss my share. And, 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 and I very much don't want to go. But I have to go for business because India is the one place that's left in the world, that has a desire, they bow down. They, they they bow down to cows. I don't know what I'm going to do there. What do you do? What, what, what happens if you like bring some pastrami, kosher pastrami? They're going to shoot you. Like you know, we don't bow down to cows. We eat them. But you know, they bow down to them. And not only do they bow down to them. My brother-in-law told me that you better bring a mask with you because when a cow has manure uh, on the street, you're not allowed to touch it. So they don't clean it up. They just leave it there. So, mamish, when you walk, when you get off the plane, it smells like a toilet. Mama smells like, I'm going to Mumbai, imagine. Right, he says it smells like a toilet. So now here we are, this generation, right? And there's a country in the world that doesn't clean up cow manure. And I'm going there. Imagine the shit I'm going to give you when I come back. Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> it ain't going to be texting, that's for sure. I can tell you for sure, right? So, so just, just to think about it, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. So, so they said, this is great. We killed the Yetzirah for Avodah Zarah. Let's kill the Yetzirah for immorality. For immorality. We'll kill the Yetzirah for immorality. Nobody's going to commit adultery. Nobody's going to do any more sins with men and women. It's going to be amazing. So they went ahead, and the Rabbanan said, I think before we kill him, before we kill him, because I don't know exactly how it's going to react the world, let's injure him. Let's first hurt him really bad. And then we'll see what happens. So the Gemara says they hurt him really bad. And they hurt him really bad. All of a sudden, the next morning, the chickens didn't lay eggs. Because the Yitzhahara was making the females and the males really want to be with each other. And once that Yitzhahara was injured, so the Sanhedrin said, the Ashkenazim said, uh-oh, if we kill the Yitzhahara, there's not going to be any more children. So the Medrash Taka says this. The Medrash says, the Yitzhahara is here. He has positive reasons. So, ma'oid. He also is the challenge. If we don't have a Yitzhahara, right? No, no pain, no gain. So the Yitzhahara is the challenge. But the Yitzhahara is supposed to lose. He's not supposed to win. You're supposed to win. His job is to lose. When Yitzhara comes to you, as a malach, his job is not to make you do an Avera. Hashem would never create a malach to make you do an Avera. His job is to try to talk you into doing an Avera, and your job is to beat him. When you beat him, that's his job. Then he accomplishes the job. That's why when, when Yaakov Avinu had that struggle and beat him, he went to sing Shira. His Shira was, oh, I met a man who I finally accomplished when I came to the world. I fought him, and I lost. So he's supposed to lose. In fact, it brings down in Kabbalah that, that he either runs to Shemayim and says, you know what she did? You know what Avera she did? So the Avera, he talks you into doing, he runs then and rats on you. If you beat him, he's forced to run and tell Hashem, I tried and I accomplished. I lost. And she won. So, and that's why a person feels very bad after you do an Avera for one second. When you do a sin for like one second, especially Jewish people, like for one second after they do that sin, you feel really bad. And then, it's like, ah, it wasn't so bad. 
you know, Hashem will forgive me. But the first second, you have this crazy guilty conscience. And it's brought down. The reason is that when you do the Aveira, so the Satan runs to report what you did. When he runs to report what you did, what are you left with? Just your Yetzatov. So you feel very bad. So for that second that he goes to report what you did, you feel very bad because he's not there anymore. Of course, it takes him one second and he's back and you don't feel so bad anymore. That one second is really what a person should feel like. That, that guilty conscience. You have to live with it. I had it this week also. We are Jews and Jews can be forgiven. Don't live in your pain. Don't live in, what, in your past. Don't live in your past. If Hashem wanted you to live in your past, He would not have given the special present to do tshuva. That is the Yetzirah. When he tells you you're so bad, you have no way out, that is the Yetzirah talking. If you are so good, he tells you you're so good, who cares, you did it one Avera. If you're so bad, he tells you you're never going to get out of it. This is the Sheker, it's a lie, it's not true. No matter what a person did in their life, there is a Tikkun, there is a Teshuva. That is what Hashem created the world. He would not have created a world where you could do something that there is no tshuva. He would not put his children in a position to do something that they wouldn't be forgiven. So the Gemara goes through. Sometimes the tshuva is tshuva, Yom Kippur, Yisurim, and Misa. Sometimes it has to be all four. But there is a tshuva, Misa's death. is a tshuva for everything. And don't think that you can do a sin so bad that Hashem won't forgive you. But don't think, on the other hand, that I can do a sin, He's not going he's to forgive me, so I can do it anyway. Because tshuva is not so easy. But he, he gives a power, He gives a clock on every single person. And there's a lot of people that I deal with that are very down on themselves and depressed and, has, and they have given up because they feel that what they did was so bad and so major. It's like your Yetzirah is talking. It's your Yetzirah and don't listen to him. He's a liar. It's not true. Okay. So, he, he goes on to many more. In the end, he says, what's Tov Ma'od? What's Ma'od? Hashem looked at the whole world, and this is very important for all of us. He looked at the whole world, and what's Ma'od? Ma'od is Adam. Adam was the, created human beings. Adam was created on the sixth day right before Shabbos. Ma'od, right? The word Ma'od is the letters of Adam. That Hashem looked at the whole world. He said, it's nice. It's a nice world I created. Trees and all these things I created. It's a nice world. But it didn't become very nice until He created us. So Akash Baruch was telling all of us, each Adam, each person in this room, that the world is good. But without you, it's not Tov Ma'od. With you, it's Tov Ma'od. Without you, because every person is the whole world. In other words, if there was no one in the world but you, that would be great because you have no one to text, right? But if there was... No one in the world but you, Hashem would have had the exact amount of apple trees that would have been in Alaska, that would have been beautiful Colorado Rockies, that would have been Niagara Falls, that would have been South Africa with the jungle and all the animals, that would have been the Amazon. If there was one person in the world, everything in the world would still be exactly the same. And that's how the world was created. It was created for Adam. It's created for one man. That's it. So everyone in this room, if the rest of the world, God forbid, disappeared, for you, nothing would change. You'd walk outside, there'd still be a billion pounds of apples and a billion pounds of oranges and oceans and water and, and, and the world. Not, I'm not talking about man's world, not buildings. But the world as we know it would be the same just for you. Said Hashem, Me'od. You are everything. You are not just Tov, you are Tov Ma'od. Something I never saw in my report card. But you are Tov Ma'od. Every person needs to know that. Also he brings down that Tov is good times. And Ma'od, which is this is what I spoke about on Shabbos for a long time. And I'm not going to repeat it. Ma'od is Yisurim. Ma'od is pain. It's very hard to understand that, that good life, which is good, Right? Is tov, and life with pain is ma'od. I would think just the opposite. Who wants to be in pain? But I said over the story that, that, that happened to me, um, just to, to try to explain it to you, that, that as close as I try to get to Hashem, and I think that my closest moment to Hashem usually is on Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur, I'm an Eretz Yisrael, 
and you know you fast the whole day and you have a tiny debu, you don't talk, you don't eat, and you're up, I dabble for seeking, so you're up at four o'clock in the morning, your mamish ice fetched, there's nothing left of you, you can hardly walk to the cold cell, you're pretty much fainting. It's always you know kip from some reason there's just roll. It's always chamsin, it's eighty-five degrees, you know, you you you're dying over there. And then you come to the Kaisal and the sun's beating down on you, it's like and then you dab in the ila. And you go through an ila, and I'm a kayan, you do bichas kahanim by an ila, we don't have that here. It's, it's just amazing. And you can scream and yell as loud as you want, you're not in shul. You can put your guts out on the table, and everybody does. And then you come to the end of the ila, right? At the end of the ila, there's the human being is not, you're all spirit. Because there's nothing left of you. You're really gone. You're wiped out, and you have to like get this last moment of energy. And by Ne'ila, and any friend that I ever brought to Ne'ila by the Kaiso has never missed a Yom Kippur after that by the Kaiso because it's like a high. You, you can't get that high here. You can't. You can't. You can't, you can't even get it in Israel anywhere else. You're standing in the holiest place in the world. On the holiest day, Ne'ila is the holiest time of the holiest day, in the holiest city, in the holiest, in Yushalayim, in Eretz Yisrael, it's like, it's like the coin go on Yom Kippur. It's like, you, 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 you just, it's just a crazy, not normal hike. I'm doing it for 30 years, Lui and her. 30 years I'm there Yom Kippur. So it just gets higher and higher. Every year you get more mature. You get, right. So then you come to the end and you're screaming, Hashem, Hashem, you are my God. You are God, right? Seven times. You're screaming, you're climbing up the wall. You're climbing up the wall. You're screaming at the top of your lungs. Everybody's screaming. Hashem, Elohim. You're like, and by the seventh one, you're not here. You really, you're not here. I, I can't. You can't explain it to someone until you do it. You, you're just not here. So that's my moment where it's like me and God, and like I, I talk about it all the time. I have a new moment. I have a new moment that I'm talking about. Not by the Kosel, not on the Elah, not in Yom Kippur, not in good times, not under the chuppah, not the first time I'm holding my baby. None of that. Not a good time. So I told the girls this on the Shabbos. So. Had a kidney stone crushed two, three weeks ago. So they crush it, you know, they use sonar, it hits it like 130,000 times in the kidney. I don't know exactly, but they have to put you out. They have to put you out. So I come to this place, you know, and, 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 and I was talking to them, it's, 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 it's so true. It's, you know, clothing, clothing makes the person. And, and, and I began to understand a little bit, sneers, what Hashem, What's behind? What like what Hashem wants from us? You know, girls, guys, whatever. That you should be always dressed. The person should be dressed. You know, we 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 weren't dressed, and, and then we we did a chait, and then we felt very helpless. Very, I don't want to use the word here. You know, not dressed, and 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 um, and Hashem right away, you know, made us clothing and clothed us. Well, I got that feeling because when I came to this place to get my kidney stone crushed, so they tell you have to get undressed from head to toe, everything off, except they put on this paper gown. I don't know with the back open. You know? The opening's in the back. Yay. That's great. I'm really, I'm really happy. Thank you. You know, that's, now I'm really happy. And I really want to walk around like this, you know? And, and, and they put this on you and you, you, you feel like, you don't feel human. You, you feel like a slab of meat in the meat store. You feel like, ooh, what, you know? And you can be Rabbi Wallerstein and you can be someone else and have money and you can have your limo waiting outside for you. But when you're undressed and you have that thing on, you know, that you gotta go for your test and you're wearing that thing, you're nothing. You're nobody. You're ready, your spirits are ready. I understand the Nazis, what they did. Because they put all the Jews, they made them dress like that. Because, because your clothing makes you a person. It makes you, it gives you something. And, and that's what Sneas is all about. We're so, so busy getting, you know, wearing the skirt a little shorter and wearing the sleeve a little shorter. Meshugana, you, you're looking more like an animal. The more you take off, the more like an animal. Animals don't wear clothing. Hashem's like, you're different. You know, if I wanted to create you that you didn't need clothing, I would have put fur on you. I didn't create human beings with fur. There's a reason. There's a reason I didn't do that, because clothing makes you elion, makes you higher. And we're so busy, you know, America, the whole world, what civilization is, the more you should take off. You know, that's beauty, that's art, that's culture. That's art and culture, you know. I went to the museum, and that's culture. All those paintings on the wall of people undressed. Hello? You would never let that in your house? You would never let that in school? You would never let that anywhere? Chas v'shalom in your house, you'd let such a picture. The MoMA. I went to the MoMA Museum of Art. Hello, for those who don't know, you know, I got culture. We the school. We went on a trip. We got culture. I have sculptures of human beings that are not dressed, right? And they're all walking around. These Jewish from girls, you know, they went on a date to the Museum of Art. Oh my goodness! 
But it's culture, Rabbi. It's culture. Nebuch. It's, it's, you know what? You're better off going to the zoo. <laughs> they're wearing more clothing than they're wearing in the, in the, in the, in the Museum of Art. You know, uh, it, it's not normal. So, so, so I'm just telling you this because, because that's what Sneas is. So what did Western civilization do? They made it art. You understand? Art is not to wear clothing. That's, that's art. Show off the human body. Fact. What's so beautiful about the human body? I guarantee you that if it was turned around and the human beings were in zoos, in cages, there are no animals that would come visit to see us. <laughs> if you think for one second they put us all in cages, that a bunch of monkeys and zebras and kangaroos would come to look at us, they would say, are you crazy? That is one of the most ugly things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they can't run. They can't jump. They can't do anything. They walk around taxiing. Oh, yay. They're going to last in the jungle a long time. The lion's like, human being, I can outrun it. Giraffe, well, you know, a little bit taller than we are, right? The elephant's like, I can sit on any of them in two seconds. Like every animal, there would be no admission. Be like an empty zoo. We're not beautiful. We're beautiful when we do what we're supposed to, when we use our goof as the car to get on the shaman to the right places. But if you want to line us up, if you brought the aliens from Mars down here and you lined up all the animals in the world and you put us in the middle and everyone's not dressed and the zebra's not dressed and the giraffe's not dressed and the human's not dressed and the elephant's not dressed and all the animals that aren't dressed, right? I guarantee you if we ask, so pick out the most beautiful animal here, we're going to come in this beauty contest way in the end. Zebra definitely has its beat. Giraffe definitely has its beat. A lion has its beat. The leopard has its beat. There's a lot of things out there. Beautiful animals. The deer? Forget it. We don't even have a chance. Let's not even get into this whole thing with them. The deer? We're going to compete with a deer? A beautiful deer? Or maybe the butterfly? They're going to go like, ooh, lock that human up. Get them out of here. Get them off stage. For the beauty contest, we're not the last 10 standing. That's for sure, no matter what we think. So our beauty is just the opposite. Our beauty is by covering up. And that's why Hashem gave us clothing. And that's really what Sneas is all about. Because let me tell you, when I was there, I felt like Nothing. So they sit me down. They're like, okay, we have to put a line in you because they have to put you to sleep and they give you Demerol. So they have to put an intravenous line in you. Sorry if this makes anyone nauseous. Not that sorry. You could text your friends like, he's making me nauseous. <laughs> God forbid there's a girl in this room right now while I'm talking and she's texting. Chas <laughs> v'shalom, because then she's in critical condition. <laughs> she's not stomp sick. She's mamish in critical In the middle of the guy talking about it, you're, you're, you're texting. That's like, that's like you, need, you need help. Big time. Okay, but that would never happen. Chas v'shalom. Okay, this side of the room for sure wouldn't happen. This side of the room it surely wouldn't happen. So I sit there and this lady says, okay, we're going to put this needle in your arm, intravenously into whatever, it's about this long, whatever it is. I'm like, I can handle it. I'm a guy, you know? Hockey player. Stick me, stick me. Come on. No problem, you know? So she takes this thing, she sticks it into my, over here. Well, first they look for your vein, right? They tie that rubber band, they tie it tight, they look for your vein. And she's tapping me like this, and I'm like, I'm showing the gig, get your hands off me, like, what are you doing? You know? And she's tapping, and she's tapping, and she's looking, and she's tapping, I'm like, stop it, my Rebbe used to do this to me, and she's tapping, and she's tapping. Finally, she goes, there's no vein here, I can't find the vein. I'm like, okay. Okay, then they do it to the other hand, she's tapping. It's Nishdor, I don't know why, I don't know what happened to my veins. They're hiding, they've been hiding for years, I don't know what's up with them. You're supposed to drink more water, I don't know exactly. Okay. So, she says, oh, I think I have one. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Sound like a fish, right? I think I have one. So she takes this needle and she sticks it into my arm. And I'm waiting. She stuck it in so far that I'm waiting for it to come out of my elbow. Right? <laughs> it's killing me. I'm talking killing me. And I've gotten, you know, intervenes. Well, this woman had no idea what she was doing. She had no idea. I promise you she never sewed a button on in her life. For sure. She would have missed the whole button. I, right? So then she goes, oh, oh, there's no blood. I'm like, you could have stuck it in my toe. There would have been more blood, right? So she goes, okay, I'm just going to move it a little bit to the left. So she, she, that doesn't work, right? We all know that. So she pulls it out a little bit, and she goes to the left, and I'm like, ah. She goes, no, it's not to the left. Let me try to the right. And I'm like, ah. And then all of a sudden, I, Baruch Hashem, had prepared my share already that I was going to give in the country, so my share on pain, right? So Baruch Hashem, I thought very fast, and I'm like, this woman is killing me, but it's been a Shemayim that he sent me this murderer, right? He could, have, he, could have sent, he could have sent a normal technician that knows how to get blood, right? So there's a reason Hashem let her wake up in the morning to kill me, right? So I said, okay, okay, ow, 
ow, ow, Hashem, all this pain that I'm feeling right now should be machaper my sins. I'm not going to waste pain. You're not allowed to waste pain. Don't waste pain, right? So I understood that it wasn't this woman that was giving me the pain. It was coming from God, right? I still wanted to smack her, but I, I, whatever. So, so she pulls, she, she says, she says, um, it's not, wasn't funny. She said, um, I don't seem to be able to find it. And she pulls it, she pulls it out. I'm like, thinking in my head, if you even think that you're going to stick it in my other arm. <laughs> so she says, we need someone, we have someone here that's a specialist. You're a specialist. And I'm thinking to myself, one second, I'm going to get a kidney stone, which is 5.9 millimeters big, right? Probably smaller than my vein, right? These people can't hit my vein. They're not going to hit my kidney. They're going to hit my spleen, my liver. Maybe they're going to hit me up here somewhere. Like, what kind of place am I in over here? I want to give this one other woman. If she doesn't get my vein, I'm out of here. So they call this, like, Rosh Shiva comes in, you know? And, and she sits down, and she takes the needle. And I'm like, you know who I am? She goes, no. I'm like, I'm the head of Ornava. She goes, what's that? I'm like, it's not important, but we're all about butterflies. <laughs> I know that you guys can get blood, you know, with that little butterfly thing. Could you use the butterfly? Because the butterfly needle is like this big. Could you use the butterfly needle? I'm like, Hashem, help me butterflies. I talk to girls about this all the time. And she's like, no, that's just to take blood. But for intravenous, no. So anyway, she decides she can't find anything. So she decides to put it on over here. Now, I, you should never know from this. But when they put it in over here, yalla. All my avarice from, from one year old to 19, <laughs> gone. Gone. You know what pain told my old? It, was, it wasn't told my old. All right, fine, fine, fine. She gets it in. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. She gets it in. I'm okay. So now they tell me, they, they take me to, they tell me to walk. Of course, I'm walking funny because the, the back of the thing is like this. So I'm sort of walking, like, I'm walking like this, like a little, little bit strange. I'm a human being. What do you mean? I should walk around like a, like a behemoth? What am I, a behemoth? Right? I'm a human being. So they lay me down on this bed. It's, it's on cold water. Don't ask. Whatever it is. Okay. So then I'm laying on the bed and they're positioning this thing that's going to break my, 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 my kidney stone. And then the guy, mama says, you know what? You're a little bit off over here. We have to move you. So I'm not exactly two pounds. So one guy on one side, cause I'm not allowed to move, takes me by my legs. The other guy takes me by my hands. Mama should like to do t- with, with meat before they cut it in Glotmart, right? And, and they swing me over. I, I never felt so nobody in, diminished in my whole life. Mama's like, I was nobody. Okay. The guy says to me, Okay, uh, Mr. Wallerstein, first of all, first of all, got a little nervous because they wrote on my right hand in ink, right, right kidney. So I'm like, so they shouldn't make a mistake and hit the, the other kidney. I'm like, what kind of place? What am I, what am I doing over here? Like, what, what am I, you know, okay. So they write right kidney. I'm like, you understand, I, I, I made a little joke because I was very nervous. I said, you understand that my kidney's not in my hand. <laughs> It's back here. You know, you go right kidney. You know, they're going to hit me over here. Like, okay. So he didn't think that was funny. Not at all. He didn't think right. Wallstein's humor was not really. So I'm like, now nah, I made a joke out of the guy. I made a fool out of him. Now he's going to really hurt me. Whatever. Okay. So then he says to me, you have 10 seconds. I'm connecting it. You have 10 seconds. Count to 10, Mr. Wallstein. And you will not know anymore what's happening. You will be out. Now, I have had anesthesia before. So I know that's a lie. You don't make it past four. They tell you count to 10, you never make it to 10. And they probably have a joke like, ha, you didn't make it to 10 either. You know, they have a bet. What number are you going to make it to? Okay. So I'm, I'm laying there. And this is all very funny. It's not funny when it happens to you, but it's funny. You can laugh. You can text about it tonight before, before, you're giving it, before you cancel your texting. And I'm thinking to myself, I got five seconds before I totally fade out of this world. Now, I may, not, I may, not, I may never come back. Because people never have an anesthesia, you can be allergic. You hear crazy, weird stories of little anesthesia. And so I'm like, I might be dying. Now, I, I don't want to insult anyone in this room. I wasn't thinking of Arnava. Sorry. Wasn't one of my last thought before I went out. Um, I actually wasn't thinking of my boy's Chaburiva. I wasn't thinking of Yeshiva. I wasn't even thinking of my family. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I was thinking of, I got four seconds left to live. I need to connect to Hashem. In these last four seconds, He needs to take care of me because these Mishugam who can't even put a needle in my arm, they're not going to take care of me. So Hashem, I'm laying here. I'm not dressed. I'm a piece of meat. I am diminished. I am nobody. I am nothing. What am I going to say in these four seconds before I'm out of here? So I said, Shema 
everybody says that. I don't want to say what everyone else says. Right? When it comes to Shema, they're like, ah, you just said it because everyone else said it. Right? So I'm thinking, ooh, ain't old Mavado. I got some crazy ain't old Mavado stories. People walk through fire. People, right? Yeah, that's not, I'm like, I'm, I, and I'm searching before he connects that thing. What should I say? And I said, you know what? I'm going to say Adon Olam. Why? Because there's, there's a, a line in Adon Olam where you say, Uvi Yaddo Avkid Ruchi. In his hands, I place the Pikadon. The Pikadon is something to watch. I place in his hands, in Hashem's hands, my spirit. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm finished. I don't have anything. I can't control anything. Hashem, Wallstein is all yours. I'm in your hands. Do with me whatever you want. And that's what I said. Uviyado, Avkid, Ruchi, out. That's all I got to say with those three words. The guy made fun of me because the doctor knows I give Shurim. He was like, we put you under anesthesia and you didn't stop talking about Facebook. <laughs> and, I, and I really thought it was true and I went to see him yesterday to make sure that all the, was, I said, was I talking when I was out? He goes, no, no, I just listen sometimes to you, sure, I'm kidding. You know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm that nuts that I'm, anyway, my, my point that I want to make, the point that I want to make is as close as I got to Hashem on Yom Kippur and as close as I got to Hashem and all the simchas of my children and all the good times in my life, never in my life did I feel the closeness that I felt those four seconds. In a lot of pain, in very scared that I may, not, I may not wake up, right? And I became very, very, very close to Hashem. Never in my life was I that close. When I said, Uvi Yadav Kiruchi, I closed my eyes and I sort of put my whole little body in his big hands. And I just felt like Hashem had me. And that's how I fell asleep. And I wasn't scared. And if I never woke up, I never woke up. I'm in Hashem's hands. What a crazy, not normal feeling. And I fought the Yom Kippur, Hashem Olakim, that was it. They don't even compare. So it bothered me. Because I think. And it bothered me. What's wrong with you? And Yom Kippur by Ne'ilah? You can't get to that level? You have to be laying in a gown? On a, on a, on a, on a bed? And, and that's how you get to the feeling? To be closest to Hashem? And then I understood this medrash. You see, as long as you're you, as long as you're you, you're not misvatal yourself. How do you say misvatal in English? Annul yourself? To annul yourself. So there's you and there's Hashem. And I love you, Hashem, and you're the best thing, Hashem, and I'm close to you, Hashem, and, and you're the God, and you're... But I'm me. I'm me, and I love you. When I was on that table, fading out, there was no me. There was no me. There was only him. So when there's no you, and there's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then there's no mechitza, there's no separation between you and Hashem. Ego. Let, let, let. It's more than ego. It's, 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 there's no you. There's no you. I, I, I could be dead. I, I'm nothing. Hashem, I have no control over the situation. So I abandon, or it's not abandon, it's not the word. I give myself up totally to you. And that's right. That was Akedah Yitzchak. And that's why, that's why Abraham Avinu and Yitzhak said, let's do it! Because you can't get to that. You can't, you can't get to that, to that level. When else does that happen to a person, girls? When else does that happen to a person? When you're in pain. When you're in a lot of pain, you realize there's no me. You know, you have this toothache, this little thing in your mouth. There's 14 of them, 16 of them. There's one guy that needs a little root canal. And all of a sudden, you're so shoo-shoo. You can't do nothing. You can't talk to nobody. Don't get away from me. I got to do that. Your head's busting. Your body's busting. One little tooth. What are you? One silly little tooth. We're nothing. We're nothing. We're only something. If we're, if we're, we are, if we're, we're, what is the something that we are? If we're connected to Hashem. If we're not connected to Hashem, we're nothing. So now, listen to this, listen to this. And this is my share. What did Chava do? Chava ate from the Eitz Hadas. She got punished. Consequence. What, what is her punishment? Her punishment is, her punishment is that when she gives birth, she's going to have a lot of pain. If anyone ever saw a woman giving birth, right? She's, in, in her last moments of labor, she is so not feeling that she's a human being anymore. She's, she's pushed, 
pain. She's sitting there. I don't want to get into the description, right? She's not exactly covered up. There's doctors and there's nurses. She's mom is not a person. It's like you like like you're an animal. It's like you're not you you don't you don't. And the many women say, I, I don't have my pride. I don't have my dignity. You know, I want to give birth with dignity. I, I, this is not the way to you know to do things. And 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 her last moment, which where, where she's in the most pain. And, and by the way. It's godless because, because desire says that whatever happens in the physical world it happens because the same thing happens in the spiritual world. And if anyone knows about giving birth, and I've been there many times, Baruch Hashem, that, that, that they give you an epidural. And the epidural, if you're lucky enough to get it, right, and I could just advise anyone here, all the Lamaz teachers are going to scream at me for saying this. Listen to me, girls. When you get to the hospital, let them put the anesthesia in when you're in the elevator already. Don't even wait till you get to the, to the room. Don't even wait. Don't be the brave one, whatever it is. Just say, have an anesthesia in the lobby. You know? When I'm checking in, let him stick the needle in my back. Because Baruch Hashem, Hashem created anesthesia. You don't have to go through pain. But whatever. If you go through natural, of course, afterwards it's much better. Okay, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. But the bottom line is that at the end of the childbirth, the end of the childbirth, they don't give you epidural anymore. Because if you don't feel the pain, you don't know when to push. So at the end, they let it go, they let it go, they let it go. Interesting thing that the doctor will tell them, the woman to push the child out while she's having the pain, right? While she's having the contraction. During the contraction, you push. Between contraction, when you're not in pain, you leave it alone. So in the pain, this is the Bria. This is, this is how Hashem created the world. In the pain, creates the baby. Because if you don't push, listen carefully. Because this has a lot to do with Mashiach. And this is, this is godless. This is to teach us a lesson. You can see it in the physical world. If you don't push at the last, at the last push, and that's why you're not on an epidural anymore, because you, if you don't feel, you don't feel your body, you can't push. Right? So they say, no, now you have to feel it. If you don't feel it, God forbid, the most dangerous time for a child is when the child's about to get pushed out, if you don't push the child out, the cord around the neck, the pr- whatever, it's, it's very, very dangerous. Once that child's in the canal, you've got to get it out. You've got to get it out. It's the same thing in the times of Mashiach. It's the same thing in what we're going through. That we are, Taka, it's, it's terrible. Everything that's going on in Klai Yisrael is terrible. But at the same time, it's great. Because... Because the famous story when, when Rabbi Akiva was walking the base of Migdash and there was plowed fields and there was a, a, a shul, a fox running through. Everybody was crying. He was laughing. So why are you laughing? Because Zechariah, nobody said it's going to happen. And after this, it's going to come the Geula. So it says in the Medrash that this is going to happen. It says in the end of time that fathers are going to yell at their children and children are going to yell at their fathers and, and mothers and daughters are not going to get along. It says it's going to happen. There's going to be chutzpah in the world. There's going to be disease in the world. And it says that in the end of time, Yishmael and Esau are going to team up together against Klai Yisrael, Mr. Obama, who represents America, which is Esau, which is Rome, which is Western civilization, running to the Muslims to make peace with them so that America and the Muslim world is in peace against Israel. It's all in the Medrash. Everyone's freaking out. How can he do this? America and, and, and going and talking nice to these people who blew, who killed three and a half thousand people in, in 9-11. The man forgot about it already. Forgot about everything. And the answer is that the Medrash says it's going to happen. So it's just, just, just as much as it's bad, it's good. Because the Medrash says that right after that, when you Shmuel and Esau get together against us, Mashiach's going to come. So we're in the last push. We're in the, we're, and that's what the Gemara calls it, the labors of Mashiach. We're in the last push, and in the last push is the most pain. So we're talking having children at risk and shalom bias problems, and people who can't have children, and cancer, and, 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 and a lot of children being born with all types of things, because this is the end. This is the last push. And Hashem says, no more epidural. No more epidural. You're going to feel it, because you have to feel it. Because Klyistrel suffered 210 years to, give, to be born out of Mitzrayim. Mashiach is so much bigger than getting out of Mitzrayim that we have to suffer 2,000 years. It's a 2,000 year labor. But we're finally at the end of this labor. And a person has to understand that. And therefore, when a person's in pain, it's a chance for you to get rid of Averis. Number one, to realize that the pain I'm in, Hashem, don't, I don't want to just waste it. I want you to take Averis away for it. And that's why Hashem knows. If you know that the pain is coming from me, then I'll talk and take it away. And I'll talk and take away the Averis. And at the same time, it's a time where you're broken. You know? They call the toilet the porcelain idol, the porcelain god. Why? Because when people throw up over the toilet, 
They're, saying, they're making deals with God. God, if I stop, if, if you take this away from me, if I get better, I promise I'll change, I'll do that. So they call it the porcelain God, because when you're throwing up over that toilet, you're making deals, you're praying to Hashem, you're, even though you're in a bathroom. Of course, the minute you finish throwing up and you feel better, you walk out and you say, Hashem, you're not in the bathroom, so whatever I said doesn't count, you know, because <laughs> you feel better. But pain breaks a person. When a person's broken and they're not so full of themselves, they have a chance to say, Ain't old Movado. They have a chance to say, Shema Yisrael. They have a chance to say, Ubi Yadav, Kid Hashem. I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm in your hands. So I want to give everyone a bracha. I'm sorry that I wasted so much time on texting, but I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that I wasted time. Next week, Mr. Shem, I'm going to talk, the connection to pain is Emuna. Because, because to get through pain, and to get through situations in life, and I had a boy tonight that a girl broke up with him, he was mamish engaged, and he called me, and he was crying, and he was beyond himself. It's not easy to hear a boy cry, and, um, and it's not easy to hear a girl cry either. But um, and I and I and I said to him, I wish you'd come to my, you know, would come to my shul last night when I spoke about pain. And instead of crying, just say Takhrish I don't know why you did this, but I went out with this girl for five months, and I spent a lot of money, and I spent a lot of emotions. And if this is what happened, then be mechapa and all the averis that I did when I was growing up, and all the people I hurt. So now I got hurt. So you know what? Five months here. The Gehenna that I just had for the last five months, take away my Gehenna five months in, in, in the next world. Use pain. Use it. Use it to be forgiven. It's here for a reason. And use it to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's very hard. So next week I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Amuna. So my bracha to everyone is as follows. We all think that we're nobodies. We all think, eh, what am I? I'm a small person. I don't do much. I'm not a rabbi. I didn't change the world. So I want to end with a bracha with a, a five-second little story. There's this midget in a room of giants. And they're having this contest. Who's the tallest giant of them all? You got these guys, eight feet, nine feet, ten feet, huge giants. And each guy gets up and he says, I'm the tallest giant. I'm the tallest giant. I'm the tallest giant. All of a sudden, this little midget gets up and he goes, what are all you guys talking about? I'm the tallest of you all. They're like, are you out of your mind? You're not even in the game. He says, I'll bet every one of you a thousand dollars that I'm the tallest of you all. They're like, this guy wants to give away money. What's the challenge? He said, no problem. We bet you a thousand dollars. Midget jumps up on a chair, jumps up on a ladder, jumps onto the giant, right? Stands up, says, okay, everyone stand up. They all stand up. Of course, the midget on the giant is taller than all the other giants. He says, I didn't tell you how I'm going to be the tallest of you all. <laughs> but I told you that I'm the tallest of you all. It's a very cute story. You want to be tall? Stand on Hashem's shoulders. You yourself, standing on the floor, we're teeny. We're minuscule. We're nothing. Malachim are much bigger. Everything's much bigger. Stand on Hashem's shoulders. My spirit, me, who I am, I'm in your hands. In God's hands? You know how tall that is? You know how high that is? That's where we all want to be. The bracha to you all is that all of you should be, all your lives, in Hashem's hands, and that we finally should see this baby that's being uh, pushed and in labor for over 2,000 years. We should see it being delivered, and we should hear the baby cry, the cry, not the cry of pain, but the cry of simcha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.